Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Galatians. Not super easy to find if you're in a paper Bible. It's only probably three or four or five pages. It's going to be toward the end. It's in the New Testament after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and probably five other books called Galatians. And we're going to end up in chapter 6. I'm going to begin with a little bit of a risky opening thought. I'm going to read an email that I received April 2nd, uh, so just last month. But because of giftings and compassion at the end of the email, some of us might feel different emotions as I read the email. Um, But hey, we're going to hang in there. There's a purpose to it. We're going to go for it. All right, here's the email, or at least I'm going to read a portion of it. Dear Pastor Mark Pope, I get emails every so often from people within the church or just outside of the church asking for financial assistance. All right, just happens. My email's, you know, on the website, and so. Dear Pastor Mark Pope, hi, my name is Ashley. She shared her last name, but I won't share that. And I live in Lexington with my fiance and our five-year-old daughter. We have been negatively affected by COVID-19. My fiance lost his job. We lost our home. Our car was repossessed. And we are living in an RV. We are in need of help. My great aunt, Judy, she shared her name, attends your church. I want to interrupt there with a pause, by the way. Just This is helpful information. We have no record of Aunt Judy at our church. So, Judy, if you're here, we don't know you're here. Never signed anything or so. Maybe she's visited or, but so that. Also, it may be telling that the Dear Pastor Mark Pope font was different than the body of the letter. Okay? That's... So just so you know, so it's at least a possibility or likely that what we've got here is Ashley cutting and pasting different, she's, you know, finding different ministry leaders, cutting and pasting her story to as many people as she can trying to find help. Got it? In hopes of getting some finances. Here I will not, by the way, a two-page, did I tell you that? Two-page, single-space, And so now we'll read it. No, we won't. I'm going to share about a third of what she shared. I'd like to tell you, this won't come up on the screen. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about my situation. My fiance is an electrician and was working at Gaylor Electric. I looked it up. That's actually a place. He lost his job in May of 2020 due to the coronavirus. It took seven months to finally receive his unemployment. However, during those months without receiving unemployment, we had no other income, and our landlord evicted us from our house. We were evicted when landlords were not supposed to evict tenants. We moved into an RV and put all our stuff in storage. Then our 2015 Kia Optima was repossessed because we couldn't pay the monthly payments. Hang in there, one more section. My grandmother has helped us financially until she can't help anymore. My fiance's mother helped us a little but lost her job as well. Prior to contacting you, I have reached out to the Community Action Council. They can assist helping with my electric bill. 
but they don't have funds to help with rent or any other bills. I have contacted the United Way, who doesn't have any funds available, the Salvation Army. They said they would give us a food basket. Catholic Action Center said they don't have any funds to help right now. The Rescue Mission said they ran out of funds. Southland Christian Church gave us clothes and said they don't have any funds because they are helping all the families affected by the flood. Maxwell Street Presbyterian Church has no funds to help. Cross Ministries Outreach Program Church of Christ Cathedral, that church has too long of a name. <laughs> that sounded judgy, didn't it? But if you've been past like through it to a church, you're like, wow, that's a complicated. Okay. Pat Cross Ministry Outreach, that one, said they don't have funds because there is no one there at the church to handle financial assistance. And she goes on then for a, another about a page and a half. I want to sum up the rest of the story. It's something like this. It'll come up on the screen. My story is sad. I'm out of options. I'm looking to you. So when I read that entire email, I had a couple thoughts. I won't share all of them. But the most prevalent thought that came to my mind was this. Ashley might want to get a job. Now, some of you are like, whoa. But that was my most prevalent thought was, do you, besides email, you really ought to lean into the job thing. Now, I, now some of you might think, what a jerk. And, and here's what I would say, maybe, but mostly behind that is not this I'm mad at you kind of a thing. Mostly was this, because this is my assumption, this is my prediction. Her present approach to her probably authentic, difficult situation, her present approach, which is help me email this stuff, is not going to work. I would submit that there's a great chance, what, 70, 80, 90% chance, next year at this time, if her primary approach or only approach to life is someone should help me, she's going to still be living in an RV and struggling. Does that make sense? So that's like the hope here is not just to be irritated, but this will not work. Just so you know. Oh, can I give you, I'll give you a Bible verse. Proverbs 28, 19 says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. The chase fantasies part, this is going to sound kind of harsh, maybe. Ashley is dreaming if she thinks, just, to, just so you know, we help a lot of people, right, as a church. She's, she's and I don't say this sounds harsh, like, but she's dreaming if she thinks that we as a leadership team will take your tithes, some of you single moms, people, right, that we're going to take your tithe and shoot, you know, a grand her way. Like it's, so in terms, like that's not going to happen. Here And it's not that we don't try to do outreach and all those things, but that's not going to happen. Um, and by the way, it's important to know, because I had the rest of the email there, um, she, Ashley has a bachelor's degree. 
Her husband is a skilled electrician. They're just trying to take care of one child. You've got, and no one is working from the information that I have. So do you, do you see, like, really, there's probably a better way to approach this situation. This is not going to work. question will come up on the screen. How much ownership of my life, because we're bringing this into, how much ownership of my life do I take? That's where we're headed today. Because again, we don't know all what's going on with Ashley, but like for how much ownership of my life do I take? And what we're going to talk about today is the, the challenge of own your own life. Let me give you a better a little easier, lighter illustration. Um, okay, can we go to a little lighter? Pretend you're outside of an ice cream shop. How many of you feel better already? All right, outside of an ice cream shop, maybe you've seen this happen. Uh, and there's a little kid, you know, like a cute little toddler age, maybe a little bigger, and they come out with the sugar cone, and this is like you know, with the big ice cream chunk on the top, and they come out, and, and God forbid, but it happens. They get bumped, or they take a misstep, and the whole cone, baby, bang, on the ground, right? And then you see this face. Oh, now what would be our natural response to that situation? A bunch of us are going to rush to that and say, baby, it's okay. Don't you worry. We'll all buy you 10 ice cream cones. Everything's going to be fine, right? That's the response. But do you know it really changes the scenario if the same thing happens, but the person is more like this age? Right? Are you with me? If you were going at the ice cream shop and an adult comes out and they drop their ice cream and their primary response is, <laughs> we would all go, there's, this is awkward. This, there's, a, there's something, and what I'm pointing to is the reality that maturity, as we grow in our maturity, we learn how to own our own ice cream situation. We learn how to protect your own cone. And if you drop your own ice cream, you go buy your own, right? That's, that's what we call, like, adulting. Just so you know, God is, and the Scripture are pretty clear on, He has a pretty high expectation on owning and being responsible for our own stuff. Early picture of this in Genesis chapter 3, I refer to the Adam and Eve story so often. And uh, Adam and Eve end up in a mess. Eve kind of blames it on the serpent. God says, what's going on? This is paraphrase. What happened here? Eve says, well, the serpent. And then when he says to Adam, Adam, what's going on here? He says, ah, it's the woman who you put here. But God, here's God's response to both of those people. Um, he says to the woman, what is this you have done? And to, to Adam, he said, no, no, no. He said, he said, because you listened to your wife. 
Do you see the personal responsibility there? <coughs> Hold that thought. We're in a series called Who Told You That? We are, we are grappling with popular delusions. And I don't have a simple way to put it, but this week's delusion is kind of this bucket of delusions or thoughts that basically include like, this is not my fault. You know, why doesn't the government, shouldn't the church, this, that whole idea of this is not mostly on me and someone else should fix this and we're going to lean into the idea. If you want to have your best life and you want to be spiritually mature or just physically mature or financially mature or relationally mature, then you will, in a huge measure, you will own your own situation. And we're going to learn from this text in Galatians 6, which to me is the best text that challenges me to step up and own my stuff. All right? The book of Galatians is a teaching book. It's trying to help the writer, and God is trying to help people grow up. He's trying to help us grow up in our understanding of life and faith. Uh, and some of this chapter is a little bit of a tightrope between the we need to help each other, and but we also need to own our own stuff and help ourselves. So like in Galatians 6.2, it says, carry each other's burdens. How many know that's part of the gospel too? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But verse 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Both of those are biblical principles, but when you get to verse 7, it really emphasizes personal responsibility. Here's what it says. Do not be deceived God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's just a few verses. Let's read it again. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Title of the talk is, Who Told You You Were a Victim? And I want to basically explore two reasons to embrace our personal responsibility in life. Let's pray. I pray, Father, that over the next few minutes you would nudge us all in the way you would like to nudge us regarding personal responsibility. Some of us get this. For some of us, this might be a, new, a newer idea or we need to make significant shifts. And so will you just help us be our teacher in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas. First one is this. We should embrace personal responsibility because God expects it from all of us. It's like a universal expectation of God. And it may be easy for us to think, well, this is an exception. This is all their fault or this is primarily outside of me. But God is not quick 
to let anyone off the hook. From the text, he emphasizes this when he says, do not be deceived. That's like an exclamation point to whatever's coming. Do not be deceived. There's only six, seven times in the Bible it says that. And then the next phrase is even exclamation point, exclamation point, because he says, God cannot be mocked. It's like an extra, hey, pay attention. No, 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 really pay attention. In the New Living Translation, it says, you cannot mock the justice of God. It's like saying, don't kid yourself at all about the principle that's coming. The third thing that I think emphasizes this is a universal principle is the word there where it says, a man reaps what he sows. That word, a man, is a very universal term for men and women. It's mankind. Here's, it's mankind. It's the generic term for, that includes both genders, male and female. It's, it's, it's everybody. And so where we're going to head, this is not a fill in the blank, but it'll come on the screen. God doesn't quickly let anyone off the hook. Already noted that in the Genesis 3 text where Adam and Eve, and they're like, no, what about you? What about your part? What about your part? But I want to look at a New Testament story that was new for me, this idea that it applies to this story. It's commonly known as the woman caught in adultery. It is in John chapter 8, but you could also appropriately name this, the evil Pharisees are trying to trick or trap Jesus. John 8. Not going to read this too quickly because uh, I'd like for us to be able to picture it. It says, at dawn, he, that's Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. Okay, I can picture that. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And the next sentence is telling about what's really going on here. It says, see, this is, this is the, the, the writer making a comment about what's really happening. He says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. I would submit to you that this situation where there is some rub and friction, is not mostly about the, woman, the woman's adultery. This is mostly about this group of people coming at, with a plan, trying to trap Jesus. Do, do, you, do, you, understand, do you see that? Like, that's what this is mostly about. And I think you could argue that the woman here who had committed adultery, she's not the biggest sinner in this story. Let me tell you why I think that might be true. It says the Pharisees are trying to trick the Son of God. That's bad. Right? 
Another question, how do you catch someone in the act of adultery? Who's looking in what window, where? Because it's a setup, arguably super likely. This whole thing is a setup. So who's, what, who's in what closet catching these people? Now, we don't know that for sure, but who, right? That's a legitimate question. And of course, some of you have already thought of this one. Where's the man? Oh, yeah. Some woman just went, amen. And then they did that. Where's the guy? Because if she was caught in the act, then there are two actors in this scene. And here's what I interpret from that. And this, is, this makes me a little irritated with this group of primarily men. You know what? They are taking advantage of a more vulnerable person culturally, using them as a pawn in, a, in risking that person's life to try to accomplish their goals. So who's the real evil people in the story? You can make a good argument. These guys are worse than she is. Now, so do you see that? These are bad dudes. How many of you like them? None of us. We, none of us like them right now. If, and then if you know the whole story, Jesus famously intervenes. This is where he says, oh, so you think we should stone her. That's what the law says. And he says, well, whoever or which one of you is without sin, you get to be the first person to throw a stone. And then, long story short, they all go home. Because Jesus is super smart and amazing, and who would like to be able to have answers like that? Yes, right? If I were there, I'd be like, man, this guy is so good. He says that great thing. And what I want to head to now is the final interaction between Jesus and the woman. And I would submit to you, it could have gone this way. This woman's been through significant trauma. I can imagine them both because all, all the people leave except for it's just them two, I can imagine them doing this. Jesus saying, wow, that was a close one. Or, I know you've been through a difficult time. Or, gosh, those guys were jerks. Right? And her going, I know, thank you so much, because, you know, was, my life was on the All that conversation. And there may have been a, 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 a little bit, but let's look at what happens. In verse 10, Jesus asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. It's the grace of God, he said. But his last sentence to her is, Now, go now, and, look at this, leave your life of sin. This is the idea. You can fill it in. Jesus' last words to the adulterous woman challenged her to own her part. It would be a mistake for her to walk away from the situation and only realize those guys are jerks. Part of the picture was her responsibility. So to bring this into the room, a couple of questions just to assess our own life. 
Consider a mess in your life. By the way, if I haven't said this, I think I have, but if you have a mess in your life, likely it's not all your fault, right? We all can help the messes grow. But the, the relevant question is, am I owning my part? Am I owning my part to my financial situation? Am I owning my part to my spiritual situation? By the way, most of your, most, who is mostly responsible for your physical health? McDonald's. No. No, right? That's not, no, you and I. Who's mostly, who has the greatest impact on your finances? Well, President Biden. No, that is not true. Who has most responsibility, most power to affect your financial life? That's you. Who has the most power to affect your future spiritually? Well, that's you, Pastor Mark, because you're teaching. No, it is not. It's you. Y'all got a Bible or Right? Or, right? Most of that is, do not be, you reap what a man reaps what you sow. Who is the most influenced relationally? In my marriage. Me. Just a side note, I just want to thank you guys. I was, I've thought of this several times this week. I just want to thank the Vineyard Church for being a church where so much of this, we own our own stuff. You help me own my stuff because we oftentimes are talking, and I'm grateful to be part of a church that is just respond. You know, we try hard to own our stuff. It's good to be in a fellowship where we're doing such things. So we should embrace personal responsibility because God expects it from all of us. Second thing, we should do it because our engagement affects our future. This idea, it affects our future. It makes our future better. I feel like we've touched on this already, but I'll illustrate it a little bit. Last Wednesday, just this last Wednesday, my wife uh, and I were on a phone conversation and I asked her, by the way, some of you don't know who my wife is. I actually have a wife. She's not up on the stage very often at all. But here's a picture of my, my she's the one on the right who's pretty, pretty. She's the pretty one. So that's my wife. Uh, and so I was talking to my wife, and I did a casual thing. Hey, so what are you up to today? And she said to me, oh, I am doing some stuff outside, and I planted your tomato plants. So, like, just so you know, this is not a great illustration, because tomatoes, for some of you, it's, it's not a fun idea. But for me, that's exciting, because I'm a tomato guy. I like tomatoes. Do we have any people who like tomatoes? Yes, some of you. How many of you hate this illustration so far? Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, like, anybody, tomato sandwiches. Have you ever had tomatoes? Yes! Tomato sandwich, peanut butter and tomato. No one? This side note, this afternoon, get some bread and peanut butter and tomato, just tomato salads, anyway, that kind of thing. So I just like that stuff. So anyway, back to the reality of life. My wife's planted tomato plants, and that tells me that in my future, odds are really, really good. Uh, we're going to end up with something like this later in the summer that, oh, 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 some of you are going, mm, some of you are going, huh, huh. okay, 
Now, by the way, does it guarantee an exact date or time when the tomatoes will? Not necessarily. Last year, went through the same, my wife planted tomato plants for us. One of my beloved children mowed over. I remember going out with the little watering thing, going. And then I found this little stalk, this little stubby stalk. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's the last year. But I tell you, it's really likely that this year we'll end up, as long as we put a big protective ring around the tomato plants. But I would guarantee you this, if we consistently plant tomato plants, we're going to have tomatoes in our future. Back to the text. Let us not become weary in doing good at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It is a promise of God. It is a, it is a spiritual principle, physical principle throughout God's creation. I thought of it this way. It's fill in the blank. If we continually take initiative, we will eventually experience a crop. It's true. And we have the ability to plant. To take responsibility for our stuff. Take initiative today or tomorrow. Financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm going to finish our time with a story of right now, my favorite example of a person who is not becoming weary and doing good and reaping a harvest. Her name is Brittany. And so here's a picture of Brittany. If you hang around the church very long, you may see Brittany. She's a friend of mine. Um, uh, but if you, if you get to meet Brittany, uh, you'll probably notice, uh, if, probably, you know, if you don't notice right away, you'll notice, she has a significant limp, and her left arm is uh, pretty much immobile. And one of the things that I appreciate about Brittany is that she has not let cerebral palsy stop her. Okay? So let me... When I first met Brittany, this was three, four, two and a half years ago. Did you guys hear that? Okay. So two and a half years ago, we were doing a uh, 24 Hours to Love Our City, I think it was. And we were in a park and we were doing some outreach stuff. And uh, a person came up and they said, they introduced me to Brittany. And so we were talking. Long story short on that, that was our first encounter with Brittany. Brittany was uh, having some struggles with housing, uh, some financial struggles, and life wasn't, wasn't great in uh, a few areas of life. Um, on that day, the team that was there, we just decided we would all kind of look and see what we had, and we blessed her with a financial gift. That shifted some in Brittany's life. She started coming to church. Now she comes to church, and she serves on the greeting team. She's here like, every weekend. Um, long story short, compared to her situation two and a half years ago, now she has her own apartment. She recently uh, uh, got a, a car, and that was a problem for a while. And uh, I asked her, she's got approximately 10 new friends. Ish. I mean, like friends, friends. Not just people who know she, because, you know, we put her picture up, but like friends. And, and she's one of my friends. And so now, and she serves, and now her life is perfect. No. <laughs> 
It's not. It's not perfect. But you know what I would say? And she agreed. I talked to her before I shared it. Uh, having her own apartment, that's pretty nice. A car that runs, that's a step up. Friendships are good. And how did her situation get better? Well, one side note is there were some church people, some friends, some nice people that helped her some. But mostly, mostly, why is her situation better? It's because of things like this. Brittany goes to work even when she is physically in pain. And I know that because there are times that I'll pray for her and she'll text me about some, it's like she still goes to work. This is why I just respect her. She still goes to work even though life is, it's, it's hurting. She still takes responsibility when it might be a little bit easier for her to just blame God or just be frustrated with this or that. She keeps, basically I thought of it this way, she keeps plugging away even when it's hard. And I want to confess or admit or testify to the fact that her plugging away, that keeps me plugging away. Because there are times I think I don't want to plug away. And then I'll get a text from Brittany and I think, well, wait, she's plugging away. I guess I can plug away. And then so she's plugging away and then I plug away. And then that plugging away can have effect on a bigger, broader population because right now I'm telling you all to plug away. So a thousand people may plug away a little bit more today because Brittany plugs away. Is it, it's, so here's the, right, let me reread the verse. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's personal responsibility. Last fill in the blank is, am I still plugging away? Do it. If you're doing it, keep doing it. Will it be easy? Not, no, not all the time. Some days will be great. By the way, if you're not plugging away or you fall into that category of not taking personal responsibility, today could be a huge shift in your life. Just decide. I'm going to own my part. It's just, it's just huge. And... A lot of this talk has just been really, really practical, super practical side of things. But um, connect with God because God is a God who gives us perfect clarity on how to own our stuff. And by the way, when we own our stuff, then he says, oh, are you going to own your stuff? Then I'm going to help you own your stuff. That God, I mean, I don't want this just to be a talk about, hey, you all just, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you'll make your way. Part of owning our stuff also includes we own our life in such a way that we realize I totally need God because I'm going to own my sin and I guess that means I need a savior. Or I'm going to own my own wisdom and realize I need help with my wisdom. Does that make sense? Gosh, get with God. And there are some times that the Lord will say, yes, you need to own this. And there are other times when God in his wisdom, where you're kicking yourself too hard, and God will say, well, you need, listen, son, you need to lighten up. This is not all your mess. Does that make sense? So why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.